Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. This is a bit of a difficult one to talk about, mostly because of what this movie is about in some sense, but it's also due to the fact that this movie is... Well, if I'm going to do this review properly, maybe I should start from the beginning, because as far back as, like, as I started this podcast, I've always wanted to do, and I do mean do, a classic gangster movie. I'm not talking about the Irishman, ladies, like everyone here that's listening, because I don't count that one. That was a good one. That was a good Scorsese film. I have a Scorsese film in my library for what I've done, and now I'm doing another one. Because I gotta drink the god, I gotta drink my Godfather right now. I am about to do not the Godfather because I've already done that trilogy. That is not Scorsese. I am doing the nineteen ninety film Goodfellas, and I'm doing it because of Mr. Ray Liotta passing away yesterday at the age of sixty sixty four. I think it was yeah sixty four or something like that. He passed away just recently, and um. 1954 to 2022, he was only 67, sadly, but why am I talking about Goodfellas? Well, because as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to do a gangster movie, a classic one at that, and this one's based on the real-life story of Henry Hill, a poor Irish-Italian growing up in 1950s New York City who rises through the ranks of his Brooklyn neighborhood's organized crime branch. With money in the mob, from the mob, he begins to live the good life. He ends up doing a lot of things that he doesn't want to do. He ends up literally at the end in the FBI's witness protection program after testifying against his former partners. Basically, it starts in 1950. Let's say, nineteen. I think it's 1951, I think, or something like that. It's around that time. Uh, Henry Hill, who at the age of 11, or so, 10, 11 years old, he starts to work with uh, Tootie Cicero, one of the guys of the Lucchese crime family who works with his brother, Polly, whom I should even mention who's starring in this movie. I forgot to even do that. I am very sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This movie is starring, because it is directed by Martin Scorsese, it is directed by, Rob, it's starring Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco, Paul Sorvino. You might know some of these folks from a lot of other things. Like, De Niro, you, you probably know of his name if you've watched enough gangster movies. Ray Liotta is Henry Hill. You got Joe Pesci is Tommy DeVito, not Danny DeVito. Don't get that confused. We have Lorraine Bracco as Karen Hill, Henry Hill's wife. You have Paul, Cis- uh, Paul Sorvino as Paulie Cicero. We have, um, what else is in here? Um, Frank DeLeo is Tootie. We have a few people as themselves in this film. We even have Scorsese's parents in this one, but that's a different story altogether. But we even have um, Stax Edwards being played by Samuel L. Jackson, which was quite an interesting thing to find out when he was in this movie. But I will definitely say this film has quite the legacy. It is one of the... I'm not going to say it's the best mob movie ever, because I'm not that... Thick, I guess you could say. There's a lot of great mob movies out there. There's a lot of great gangster movies and whatnot. But this movie is quite amazing. But it starts in the 1950s with little Henry Hill growing up by uh, Tootie and Polly's capstan. 
You see all these guys with their flashy suits, their Cadillacs, all this, walking around, hanging out, having fun. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to go get a job here. He decides to do so, and he finds himself doing that more than going to school. His dad gets on his case about not going to school, saying, you should really go back to school, stop being an idiot, sort of shit. Slaps him around, beats him a little bit. And I thought this is because Henry was a bad kid. Even history buffs, uh, Nick Hodges, who is also an inspiration for this video, like for this podcast, by the way, also gave me a little bit more detailed research from his videos. And I will also post the link in the description below. It probably won't be able to work, but whatever. I will definitely uh, do so. But anyways, he, he uh, does that. And while he's doing such a thing, he finds himself doing this, that, and the other thing. One day, after he's um, torching, I guess, because he was also parking Cadillacs at one point, he finds himself torching some Cadillacs and burning them, like just blowing them up because that's the job that he's asked to do. And Henry himself decides to just keep doing it. One day, he uh, finds himself working with Tommy, a young Tommy, selling cigarettes. He finds himself getting arrested. Good job there, bud. Really good job. So he gets himself arrested for that dumb scheming piece of uh, stuff, which I get it. It's part of his job. He's having to do this, that, and the other thing. Oh, shit. Yeah, shit. Yeah, it's on my end. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, anyways, as he's doing that, he finds himself... Um, Getting pinched for steal, like for selling stolen cigarettes that he didn't intend to actually get caught for, so he gets fucked over for that. But in turn, he does actually not. Uh, he learns two valuable lessons: that to never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut, which is something that most gangsters kind of know for the most part, unless they snitch out and run away to witness protection, which he does later on. Spoiler alert! Sorry for that, but anyways, we'll get to that soon enough. Anyways, as we're getting to that part in the story, as he's gotten older, he's basically like, congratulated for not like uh, squealing on anyone, just keeping his mouth shut, being a good kid, all that. He does all this, and as he's doing so, he does find himself kind of uh, in a positive tone, kind of saying, you know what, I'm doing something right. Like, he doesn't really think so as, as time kind of does progress. But he does do this for a good reason and a good time. Anyways, he meets a few other people and um, he meets up with this one guy that he knows that works at an airport as he's robbing the trucks with Polly. Well, for Polly, with uh, a friend, like someone that he met, Jimmy the, Con- Jimmy the Gent Conway, who I did not mention in this movie. He is played by Robert De Niro. He's a little bit older than Henry Hill in this throughout most of the film and kind of him and Polly are kind of like father figures for for, uh, old Tommy here and it's just like I get it it's not the biggest deal like he just kind of like he's doing this for a good reason they want to like they want him to get to still be a good kid so anyways they find themselves doing a huge score that gets them a lot of money with like for and that he gives his tribute over to Polly, it was the Air France robbery. This is one of the biggest ones that he does as a part of uh, Polly's crew. And as he does this, he also does find himself saying, "I don't really want to keep doing this anymore, do I?" 
We also um, finds himself meeting someone named Karen. I don't know her exact last name, but he meets her throughout the story, and it does become something that actually works out to his advantage because he does find himself dating her. And she's played wonderfully by Lorraine Bracco, and I gotta say, she, oh my goodness, she's been, she's been wonderful in this film, I feel like. And, um, yeah, I don't know what exactly happened to her later on in the, in her life, but I do know that Henry and her did get, like, uh, get divorced and had that finalized in 2002, about 20 years ago. And, uh, anyways, that's the side of the fact. Um, I do know what happens after that whole situation with Air France is that basically he's gotten a good bit of money. He finds himself hanging out with her. I also kind of forgot about the, the most famous shot in this film, the, the Steadicam shot that lasts quite a bit of time. It lasts maybe a good three minutes or so. And I gotta say, it's one of the most spectacular looking scenes in American film history. I'm not saying it's the best or the best thing I've ever seen ever, because there are a lot of other movies that have done really good city cam shots like that. But this one just it takes the cake in just being fantastic. They really help make an awesome story happen, and it's just like they keep on uh, like they find themselves spending times at the Coco Cabana nightclub. He starts dating Karen, but uh, by 1970, Billy Batts, a made man from the Gambinos, is released from prison, and he's finding himself at his homecoming party, where uh, he gets, I guess, into a scuffle with Tommy, who's played by uh, Joe Pesci, who I kind of forgot about talking about a little bit more in this film. He does have moments in this one. Where he has the, the the moment where he's like, you're really funny. You're really funny. And now uh, they're getting into a fucking huge scuffle about it. It's like, what the, how the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. And it takes like a few seconds for him to say, get the fuck out of here, Tommy. Like, Henry Hill, I mean, like, Leota. And played by Ray, Ray Leota. Oh, my God. I can't, even, I can't even keep my fucking story consistent, can I? Anyways. This happens. Billy Bats comes home. He's played by, uh, if I recall correctly, he was played by Frank Vincent, who is also a great actor who I think passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, he passed away back in 2017, but he's been in a few other things as well. Same with Lorraine Bracco and Paul Savino. Like, a bunch of these folks have been in a few gangster films or whatnot. Like, Servino, I think, is still around. I know he was in, I think, Grand Theft Auto 3, if I recall correctly. Maybe not. Maybe he was. I don't remember. But he's been in a few things. But anyways. And then getting back to the point. We're talking about fucking Billy Bats' homecoming party, right? Basically, he's come home. He starts to insult Tommy by saying, Hey, if I was really break you, like, really, I saw breaking your balls and try to go home and get shine box and shit like that and like they apologize one other thing he's like now go home and get your fucking shine box that's what really sets Paul like uh you know good old uh not probably fucking Tommy off 
talks with really much. It was really a shitload. He's pissed about that. He told her, like, just go home, go home, relax, go home. I'll, like he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that bastard. I'm going to fucking kill him. He does actually do so. But a little bit later on when they're, like, when they're talking about, like, all this shit. Because I guess Jimmy took over his loan trucking businesses and other rackets. Because Billy Bats was in the can for 10 or so years. And Jimmy didn't want to play ball and say, fuck you. I'm not giving you back anything. Fuck off. So they get him, I guess, blind drunk. And then they tend to just beat the living shit out of him. They do. Tommy tries to shoot him a couple of times just to say, fuck you. And really just give you a nice fuck you. And then some. But it doesn't work out as well. They stuff him at, like, stuff him into Henry's car. They drive off to go get a knife from, uh, and a shovel from his mother, like, from Tommy's mother's house, who is played by Martin Scorsese's mother. God rest her soul. She was great in this one, if you ask me. Anyways, as this happens, the unsection murder does invite retribution. They also have to beat, stab, and fatally shoot him. And Jimmy, Tommy, and Henry also have to bury the body in upstate New York. They find out six months later that it's slated for des- like development. So they have to exhume the fucking corpse that's decomposing. And it's, oh. Uh, that smell, oh, made me, like, visualizing that smell is making me sick already. Jesus. Anyways, later on, we get to 1974 where... Henry's dealing with a mistress who's not the smartest woman in the world. And he's, Henry's being an idiot. He's been married for a couple of years now. He's dealing with all this dumb shit. He's not being smart about it. Polly and Jimmy come over to say, hey, smarten up. You are married. You shouldn't, you can't not have a mistress, but you should not, not make appearances more often at home. Like fucking go home more often than not, you know, like you're not being smart about it. Karen's coming over. She's wild. Like, come on now. Don't be an idiot, man. Be smart. Be wise about what you fucking do. Like, don't do dumb shit, man. Don't do this to yourself, please. Like, don't fucking do dumb ass shit. Because it's not going to help you at all. And I mean at fucking all. And it just... It becomes it becomes a mess for him. Anyways, as that happens, we find... Um, He should return to Karen, and he goes to Tampa with Jimmy to collect on a debt. They find out, after they come back, that the gambler's sister was a typist for the FBI. Of all the luck. That's why they're in the newspapers. They get themselves arrested. They get sent to 10 years and what have you to support. And then Henry has to support his family on the outside. He decides to have Karen smuggling drugs so he could sell them to a fellow inmate that's from Pittsburgh so he could sell it to his friends and this, that, and the other thing. And now it's 1978. Jim, Henry's been paroled and he's expanding his cocaine business and he's doing it against Tom, like uh, Polly's orders because it's like, don't do this shit. Don't sell junk. Don't sell dope. Don't do any of this shit. Don't you look like a fucking jerk. Stay away from the fucking dope. And what does he do? He doesn't stay away from the fucking dope. And that's what gets him fucked. Immediately. In my opinion. But he organizes to have Jimmy and Tommy go like, come in with him. Which he shouldn't even be doing to begin with. Because it's pretty much death. If you don't 
fucking, you can get killed if you don't tell, like, someone that you see them dealing with drugs, you're in the mob, if you know you're not meant to be dealing drugs, and you see some guy dealing with that shit, it's just, what the fuck, man, still, it's just a mess that happens, but anyways, as that happens, Jamie organizes a crew to raid the Lufthansa Hall at JFK Airport, which is the biggest heist in American history, which still to this day, holy fuck nuggets, was this the most craziest thing that ever happened in 1978. Nearly 50 years later, roughly we're at 45 years later almost, and it's still just like, how in the hell did this even happen? Jimmy and all these guys did it together, and it's like, holy fuck. Mostly these guys that did it just never fucking got to see the light of day half the time because they all got cat, but in the end, it's just like, they stole $6 million worth of cash and jewelry. Some members start purchasing a lot of dumb shit against Jimmy's orders, and they all start getting capped. And hell, even Stax gets the, like, uh, was meant to dump the truck. In Jersey, wherever I think he was meant to dump it in a dump it in the river, but he said this genius gets high, goes to his f- girlfriend's place, and passes out. Good job, Stax. Really good job. And by the way, he was played by Samuel L. Jackson. Doesn't get to stay very long in the movie, but he has a nice little cameo. Either way, but anyways, this happens. They start to um, have the only ones that don't get capped are Tommy and Henry. Tommy is deceived into believing he's becoming a made man. And is murdered after walking into the room of the ceremony. Meanwhile, the song Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, the piano exit version of the Cody, you could say, is playing as you see all these people that have just been capped, like Frankie Carbone, um, Frenchie Shore, all these motherfuckers have just all been capped. And it's just like, holy shit, it's just horrible looking. Like, I think one of the guys that bought a pink Cadillac for his wife and a fur coat is like literally shot point blank and left it a place in new york underneath a, a tram line where some kids find it and some other guys were i think frenchie short and another associate or two are found in the garbage frank garbone is just found over in like you know, not in a, in a meat truck and he's been frozen so solid that they took two days to thaw him out for the autopsy it is horrendous i'm sorry but this is some horrendous shit it's beyond horrendous, but anyways, Tommy thinks he's being made, he's deceived, walk, and is murdered while walking to the ceremony, and it's partly as a retribution for murdering Billy Bats, but it's also, I think, for a few other people, like, other things he did, like, um, killing some other guy that was unsanctioned as well, that was part of another, I think, part of the Gambinos as well, and also trying to rape Karen, hill at one point i guess because paulie and her were dating while henry was in jail or just having a relationship or something but i don't recall what all i know is that's what happens after the fact and it's just like holy fuck this is horrible to find out that this has happened and yeah he apparently raped karen or he tried to at least for whatever reason like he tried to do something against her will and it's just not right man like and once you mess with another man's wife, even in the mob, that's another thing that can get you killed. So doing that was just like, no. 
And now it's 1980. Henry's developed a huge drug habit and has become a paranoid wreck. He's snorting up cocaine more than anything. He sets another deal with Pittsburgh Associates and whatnot while doing his errands. He's just high on coke. He's just fucked up. He's just... I think when the cops do bust him, he only had a single quaalude on him. But still, he got really fucked up throughout the entire day. He's having a helicopter chase him. And it's just like, what the absolute fuck, man? It's just, holy shit. It's funny, but it's also like, what the fuck, man? Anyways, he sets up another deal. Uh, but he gets arrested by narcotics agents and is incarcerated. But after being bailed out, Karen explains that she flushed, flushed 60 grand worth of coke down the toilet to prevent the FBI from finding it under the during their raid so they're left penniless and Polly finds out that he's now he betrayed him and he's like you treat him like a fucking jerk man and he gives him 3200 bucks and ends their association together and Henry meets up with Jimmy at, Jimmy at a diner to travel on a hit assignment but at the other request it sounds very suspicious so Henry realizes that he's having to have Karen and himself killed, probably having his kids killed as well in the process. So as soon as that all happens, he finds himself becoming the one thing he didn't want to become ever. He became a rat. He hated being, he hated rats completely and he's become one himself. He finds himself bringing his entire family into the witness protection program. And after giving sufficient amount of a testimony and evidence to have Paulie and Jimmy con like convicted, he moved, like they move him to a nondescript neighborhood which is i think out in nebraska somewhere i think outside of omaha but um he's just unhappy because there's no he can't he has to leave his life and he has to live he's an average nobody he has to live the rest of his life like a schnook but at the end there's a title card epilogue of sorts that uh states that as of 1990 henry was still a protective witness but he was arrested in seattle for narcotics conspiracy he Earned five years probation, but it's since been clean, which is total bullshit. He got he had so many fucking issues during the nineties. He got himself kicked out of the out of witness protection, and the only reason why he he couldn't he had such issues with alcohol and whatnot, and even then, he just became a mess. I think it's probably because of the shit he had to do in the mob. Anyway, it could have also because he's part Irish, but I know it says that he and Karen separated in nineteen eighty nine. And Polly died the previous year in 89 in Fort Worth Federal Prison due to a respiratory illness. And that Jimmy was serving 20 years to life in a New York prison for murder and would be eligible for parole in 2004. And I do think that Jimmy Burke, the guy that Jimmy Conway is kind of based on, didn't uh, make it to 2004, I don't think. I think he passed away a couple years Prior. Um, Jimmy Burke, let's see. Yeah, he passed away in 1996. A couple years after that movie was made. And, well, the way this movie ends is with one of my favorite songs. But it's done by um, Sid Vicious, My Way. And... It ends with that, with the title card and whatnot, and then we have another rendition of Layla's Piano Exit once more during the end title credits, and it just, it's heartbreaking, honestly, to hear this one more time, but it ends a great, great, great movie that is 
roughly two hours and 26 minutes overall. I honestly thought when I made it to the Billy Bats situation, I was halfway through. I've seen this movie dozens of times. I've seen it dozens of times. It's a classic. If I'm to give this movie a rating, which I don't feel right doing, it's an instant classic. I don't want to say it's an instant classic 10 out of 10. But quite frankly, it is. It is a 10 out of 10. But again, I sound biased for giving it a 10 out of 10. So I'm not going to be biased. And I'm going to give this film what it deserves. This was made back in 1990. This film is 32 years old. This movie was made during a time that I thought... I, was, I wasn't even boring yet when this movie came out. And I saw this movie when I was maybe 15 years old. And I was thinking, holy shit, this movie's intense and nuts. But then again, I watched Scarface and The Godfather quite a few times. But still, like, to know a lot of this stuff was real life was also like, holy. You know, like, I never expected it. But it was also kind of cool to see. So to conclude my conclusions on this and my final thoughts, I have to give this film... A 9 out of 10. Another 9 out of 10. Wowee. What is going to be a solid 10? I don't know. But I do know there's going to be one of these days there will be a movie that will give a solid 10 out of 10. It might be one that I absolutely adore and want to watch again and again. But a lot of these movies I do want to watch again and again. If I have to watch it five different times before I can give it a 10 out of 10 just to prove my point, I might have to. But today was not that day. I thought I'd give this movie a little bit of a quick watch again. Because I haven't watched it in a while. And I'm happy I did. It's a solid 10 out of 10 film. It's an enjoyable experience for me. It's one of those films that, to this day, will still probably be one of the greatest films ever made in the gangster genre. It, is, it was actually deemed historically and culturally or aesthetically significant. And it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the U.S. Library of Congress. And it's film, like, it's been emulated numerous times, but and it's, as well as the style... In numerous other films, TV shows, everyone references it one way or another. And it's just like, I get it. I get it. Like, I know I've referenced it one too many times. I've even done it to someone where they were really proud. Like, they, like I knew them for being this. And I did use it as a reference. But I didn't try and be an asshole about it. I just kind of did it. So maybe I was an asshole for doing it. But at the end of the day, it was a bit of a... Like, they knew I was breaking their balls. But still, I felt like an asshole Like later on when I stopped doing it. And knew that it was wrong. But anyways, this film, like I mentioned, goes through quite a few decades. And it's just one of those films that when you see it fully, it's just... It's quite interesting. Because Polly Cicero did not pass away... Like, passed away pretty soon before the movie came out. I mean... A lot of these guys are not around, I don't think, anymore, anytime soon. I mean, Karen Hill is still around. Henry Hill, sadly, is no more. He passed away in 2012. And literally 10 years later, we see the passing of Ray Liotta. I don't know if this was coincidence or not. I don't really know one way or another. All I do know is that this movie, to this day, is just... It's incredible. I could probably watch this one more time anytime soon, and I'm probably going to still cry when I hear Layla's Piano Exit, because that is one song out of the entire movie that makes me cry. That that piece right there, like, every time it's played, 
Doesn't matter if it's during the montage of everyone getting like, being found whacked or if it's at the very end during the credits. It just it works out to such a degree that it just it's hard for me not to listen to it and cry. But a job is a job. I gotta get this going. I'm happy I've done this. This is a solid nine out of ten. I hope you all have enjoyed my review, my retrospective on this film, because I know I've been happy to work on it. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please, 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 if you have not seen this movie, please do so. It's a great film. If you need something to watch with Ray Liotta in it, you want to see a movie that is basically one of the high, like one of the most highly regarded gangster films of all time, this is one you should check out. If you don't want to watch this one, but you want to watch another gangster film without Liotta in it, but you want to watch a solid Scorsese film, watch Casino or watch The Irishman if you want to see a Scorsese film that is a gangster film. But I would definitely suggest that anyone that's out there right now that wants to see a solid like Ray, like Ray Liotta film, please watch this movie. I will say it again. Please watch this movie. You will not be disappointed, I feel like. But honestly, just go check it out. This is Scott signing out. End transmission with a little bit of a moment of silence for uh, Ray Liotta.